guys, welcome back. It is March, can you believe it? We did get an extra day of February, but we're so glad that you're back and you're still rocking with us. Um, March is, if you didn't know, Women's History Month. So for black women, we are getting two months of celebration. Um, so Women's History Month is a great time to learn more about black women and their contributions to American history. Um, today's show, we're going to do a follow-up on our conversation from a few weeks ago about singleness, love, and dating, but we're going to do it through the lens of the Netflix television show, Love is Blind. So, Faith, for those who haven't watched or don't know what we're talking about, um, I'm going to ask you to describe the show, but I want to give a warning that if you have not watched the finale, stop here because there will be spoilers in the show. So, Faith, with that, we gave our spoiler alert. Faith is going to go and describe the show. Okay, so Love is Blind. Y'all, I love this show so much. I convinced Catherine to watch it because I was like, you have to see it. You just need to watch it. And I told so many people that. So the premise of the show is that for about um, like a week and a half, um, you are in these pods essentially and you get to have dates with all kind of different people. But all you hear is their voice. So you don't get to see them. And so then you get to like make these connections with people and whoever you click with the most, whoever you vibe with, you end up being able to have more and more dates with that person to get to know them. And by the end of it, you have to pick a person and get engaged without having seen that person. Which is pretty crazy, to be honest. Like, so you're going to talk to somebody, only hear their voice, and you propose to them. And then after you propose, you get to meet that person in person. Like, you get to see them face to face. Then you go on a vacation together and um, get to know each other. And you have four weeks from pretty much the time that you get engaged to be married. So it's fast and furious. Okay? It's a fast and furious love situation. Yeah, it's it's totally, I mean, the premise is pretty crazy. Um, but Faith, tell us what you loved about the show. Oh, my goodness. So I really loved the fact that you, that the people got to talk to the person that they were interested in and get to know them. So for me, it's such a big deal to have, like, authentic conversation with a person and, um find out what makes them tick and so the fact that they were able to do that for hours on end with somebody and get to know them is pretty interesting to me like it's kind of cool kind of fascinating that you get to sit there and get to know somebody because when you go on dates you know it's two hours here two hours there or three and you know it just kind of depends and so I think that um it really it's kind of a cool way to get to know somebody, just having that opportunity to talk to them like that. So that's one of my favorite elements of the show. Um, also, there were just some cool couples worth rooting for, so that's why I liked it too. Okay, so the thing that I really loved about this show is I love it kind of as mindless entertainment. I think I, um, I do think that the premise of it is for sure better than The Bachelor, um, just because you're not watching someone you like and have feelings for date. <laughs> multiple other people potentially have mm -hmm. potentially have sex with multiple other people over the course of like you know six weeks um but I also love 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 loved 
Lauren and Cameron. Um, yes. So much so that I feel like for me, I'm not looking for Boaz anymore. I'm looking for a Cameron. And truly, he can be any race. But I think what I just like loved about it is the way Cameron like clearly like loves Lauren like in her full authentic self she does not have to pretend and it's like funny because at least in the later I don't know if you notice this but in the later episodes it becomes very clear one that she's like that she's not used to that and it feels yes. overwhelming to her yes. but then I think that speaks to something like larger of like how we're just not used to that like I think everybody wants that and then just to see someone who based on you know a week and a half of dating based on the sound of her voice and their conversations just like loves her so authentically like she doesn't have to pretend she's not like holding anything back and that he just is in for it and I am you know and I just feel like I'm not used to seeing that kind of like like authentic like love portrayed on television reality tv so i'm all about i'm team cameron and lauren so they made me really happy yes and cameron is so fine okay i mean he is so cute i really want a black man but cameron be trying to make you switch teams that's all i gotta say (laughs) i know cameron cameron had a a sister reconsidering um but also yeah he was a he's a scientist and a firefighter i mean come on smart okay come on come on come on that is just a lot going on for one man in one package. Yeah. So, I don't know. I loved it. Faith convinced me to watch it. She was not wrong. It was an excellent recommendation. So, what would you say um, were, like, the challenges of the show? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think the biggest challenge I saw was when it comes to race. I thought it was interesting, kind of even when they were in the pods, Lauren, before Lauren and Cameron sort of settle on each other, they do show her doing an, um, a date with another, you know, um, Caucasian man. And like the first thing out of his mouth is like, oh, you sound like an African-American, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, sir. No. <laughs> But I think also, too, like the fact that, you know, the show started with like multiple black women. I think um, there was only one black man that I remember. But um, I think there's some challenges with the premise when it comes to race, because I think that we're not we've talked about this before, um, that when it comes to race, we're not going for color blindness. Um, and so I think the, the, the concept sort of breaks down there. And I'll give like two examples, like, again, Team Cameron here. Um, early on, him and Lauren have a conversation. Oh, Lauren is African American. Cameron is Caucasian. They have a conversation about their children, and Cameron straight up says, "I know that our children will be considered black when the world looks at them. They'll see, you know, they'll see them as African American kids." And like him in that conversation, committing to like do the work, to like love their kids and raise them to be strong, and all these things. And so this idea that like even though he loves Lauren, like, um, in that he kind of fell in love with her, who she is on the inside as a person, that a part of who she is as a person is a black woman, which requires some level of intention and understanding, and that he was willing to engage with that. And I think you sort of see the flip side of that with Damien and Giannina. Um, So Giannina is Latina, is white presenting, but she's Latina. She's from um, Venezuela. (laughs) And her partner is... I think from the South, Caucasian man, and he, I think, really struggles. Um, I think some of it is, you know, the cultural differences. I think, you know, not that Giannina was perfect, but I think some of 
it was just like a misunderstanding and on his part an unwillingness to recognize there are different ways of having conversations um, there are different ways of doing politics based on your cultural background and I think his expectation was I think particularly because she looked white like that he was like oh you need to think like I think have the same politics I think that you're too um, I think at some point he was like you're too like yeah. up and down or too opinionated or something like that and from what I like read online I was expecting her to be kind of crazy and I did not get that impression I mean I definitely felt like at certain points she was immature and how she communicated things but I just thought like you know like she's not being loud and she's not asking things that are unreasonable <laughs> I think it was just you know a cultural difference and I think he was unwilling to like I got the sense that he was unwilling to like do the work and recognize that um and so I just I just, I think it kind of breaks down in this idea that like um, in love that we should be elevating this idea that when it comes to love, you know, people's cultural backgrounds don't matter, their baggage doesn't matter, and all of that makes a person who they are, and so I think it does matter, and I think part of what I loved about Cameron is that, yes, he loved Lauren as a person, but like, part of her person is being an African-American woman. What does it mean to love her that way, um, the way God created her, purposefully and intentionally rather than minimizing it? And then, you know, from beside that, our girl Jessica, which we can get into her, because she, <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> Jessica is bad. Jessica is, is bad. And I, honestly, the last couple episodes, I had to fast forward through their scenes because, you know, the only blind obviously blind person on that show was mark because i don't know what because i Terrible. felt like he was looking at something that we were not seeing <laughs> because clearly women want a man like mark okay <laughs> a man who is going to love them flaws and all and mark he had he had blinders on or whatever he had on and and he was in with jessica if she would have said jump he would have said how his girlfriend you know, I don't like calling women crazy, but s s something in the buttermilk wasn't clean. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't all add up. It did not That's add up. What did you think were some of the challenges of the show? Um, this is like super superficial, but since we were talking about Jessica, um, I was deeply challenged when she let her dog drink her wine out of the glass. I was like, you have got to be kidding. And then she kept drinking it. I was like, what? And also, is is that like poisoning can dogs? Can their little livers process I don't alcohol? Think animals are allowed to have alcohol. When she said she was like she loves it, and then I think her daughter dog's name was like Peyton Hester or something, and I'm like, you cannot give that dog alcohol. Yeah, that was that was wild. She had a lot of questionable behaviors around alcohol. I, I, I'm not a doctor, but there was just. It was it was too much. I, at a point, I felt uncomfortable. Yes. yes. I think like something that I saw like challenges. I agree with some of the, the things that you were talking about in terms of like there's just things about you, your race, your culture. Like you cannot give those things up in that sense. Like that's a part of what makes you you. So I think a challenge is the fact that the turnaround is so quick. You know, you do make this emotional connection with somebody. But four weeks later, you have to decide to marry them. And I think sometimes, you know, it can be self-sabotaging for some people. Like, yes, I do want love. But to, to think that in four weeks, I'm going to give up my life and all the things that matter most to me, that just feels super crazy. And so I just think that for some people, that was just too hard 
to fathom, I guess you could say. And so that's one thing I'm going to say is like a problem. But then also, um, you know, we mentioned Jessica. I think Amber had some some interesting issues. It was framed differently. Now, having watched a few interviews, post show interviews with her, I still think she might be a little off the rails, but I also think her and Barnett are kind of off the rails together, which is why they worked because he's kind of like odd and a little bit dumb and immature and she kind of was too. And so I think that that's why they worked pretty well together. Um, But I do think that had the timeline been a little bit longer for some people, it might have worked a little bit better. Like Kelly and Kenny, I was actually super surprised that they didn't end up together. But I think Kelly almost like self-sabotaged herself. I mean, even her mom mom was looking at her like you are an idiot and so I just think that like you it's just it's a big decision to make in such a short amount of time and so sometimes you can say you want love and you want a family and you want this and you want that and it can be right in your face and it's hard to say in four weeks you're going to give up your independent life and like merge it with somebody so I think that's kind of like one of the challenges I saw on the show. Yeah, I agree with you. So I also think part of it is that people need to have counseling and work through some things before they do this concept for it to work effectively. Because I think Kelly and Kenny, I actually wasn't surprised. I mean, because I think I agree. Her mother definitely was like, girl, what are you doing? Even her sister, who was trying to be diplomatic about it, was like, yeah, sometimes you can't see what's right in front of your face. And she kept talking about how she didn't find Kenny attractive. Like, towards the end, she started saying all these things about how she didn't find him attractive because he was blonde and she typically likes brunette. When it was like, girl, in Mexico, you seem like you were very attractive. Really excited. And then she started talking about her ex more. I mean, I I think she had some... So, what I gather from what she said and the way they cut it kind of in the final episodes is that she was still really hung up on her ex but what didn't make sense to me about that is she had hinted earlier on that there were problems in that relationship that she didn't have with Kenny or wasn't willing to like engage I don't know I just I was I felt like they didn't do a good job of like showing us like it was very clear like I don't think anybody had any expectation that Jessica was going to say yes to Mark um but I felt like it wasn't to the last couple of episodes that you really got a sense of like everything wasn't clicking with Kelly and Kenny. And then listening to her talk, I was like, you have, you're either hung up on your ex or you don't have, I, I honestly, I felt like she didn't have a good concept of what love was. And whereas Lauren was like, okay, I'm willing to take this leap of faith. Kelly, I think you're right. Self-sabotage. And she talked herself out of it. Um, and Amber honestly was scary. <laughs> I just, I I have a little brother who's getting married on Thursday, and if he brought home a girl that was talking about how she didn't work, but had no reason for not working, that she was like couch surfing. Oh, oh, wait, 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 they talked about this on a follow-up. She said that she had gotten hurt, she was in the middle of like a workers' comp dispute because like she had like a boot on her foot and all this other stuff. And she was in the middle of a workers' comp dispute, which is why she wasn't working at the time of the show filming. But she wasn't saying all of that as in, like, she's not going to work, that she's not going to do anything. Like, she's actually going to contribute and to make things, like, equal. So I think it sounds like she's working, like, that she wasn't just going to. And I figured that there had to be something else because he did not seem like he was going to marry her and her just sit at home. Okay, that makes me feel better. But because she just seems like if one day Barnett went missing, 
is all I'm saying. <laughs> I would not be. <laughs> she just seemed kind of off. I mean, I definitely got the sense that the reason why they worked is because one thing I did like about their relationship is I felt like... Um, Barnett, all his life, his family, and maybe with other girls he dated, had been told something was wrong with him. Like, the part, there were parts of his personality that weren't lovable or whatever. And I think what I did like about their relationship is that Amber was like, no, I love those things about you. And, like, those things are worth celebrating. Don't be embarrassed by those things, which I thought was really sweet. Okay, so we kind of talked about the challenges. I wanted to know, did you think the experience of the show did seem different for the black women? Um, did you think it was more challenging or was it, did you think it was the same experience across? Okay. So I've been doing some digging, not a lot. And also because I like this show so much and people know I like it, they come to me and we had these like side discussions. <laughs> so somebody said, and I haven't found the article. Somebody said that multiple couples, like more than the ones that they showed, like actually got engaged. And um, there was just so much content that it was just like too much to follow like all these people. So I have no idea about the other people that got engaged and if any of those were black women. But I do know one thing that I was thinking about this show when it comes to Love is Blind that there are stereotypes people have about black women. For example, like Diamond. And so like I think... With her, for some people, she would be a representation of and would be judged as a stereotypical black woman, as people might assume a black woman could be. And so I think when you have those elements, it can be harder for black women in these kind of shows, um, even harder than for like a Giannina, right? Because with Giannina, in a lot of ways, she's white presenting. And it wasn't until she had some of those interactions with Damien that he was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, she is not a white girl um, at all. Like she, and I think he had this expectation of her because she looked one way that she would act, you know, the way in his mind he was viewing um you know, white women, and that's how white women act, and she wouldn't act like that, but she's not a white woman. And I think for black women, these sort of experiments can be hard. I mean, you see it on The Bachelor, all these different shows. The story is different for black women. I mean, it just is. I don't I don't know how to else to frame it other than to say that, like, the story that's being written, the story that is told about us to society isn't a positive one. And when you're interacting with people and it's supposed to be kind of this like elusive pie in the sky, like, oh, wow, it's going to be great, whatever, whatever. When it comes to dating, like that's just that's not the reality for us. Like we can't there is no pie in the sky. There is no like random, you know, like air puffs of, <laughs> of love floating around when it comes to like the narrative for black women. So I think that it's just different for us. And we daily, I feel like, have to dismantle the narratives that are presented about us in the world and in the media every single day. So anyways, all that to say, I think the dating experience for black women is different just in general yeah. in the world. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think we already mentioned that that guy saying that Lauren had a sounded like she was African American. Um, I think in one of the first episodes, Barnett said Diamond had a stripper name, which I mean, I feel like he was trying to make a joke because Barnett had a very off sense of humor. But I think that's the kind of thing. Oftentimes, I think black women with unique or creative names are, you know, like kind of ridiculed, um, for lack of a better word. I think he was 
you know, it can come across as, like, scornful, like, she should be embarrassed, and her mom named her Diamond. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, I don't know. Was Carlton the only black man, or he was just the only black man that they showed? Yeah, I think he was. So I would like to, so a couple things. I don't know, like... Uh, yeah, I think that it definitely was a different experience for African-American women. I think even just, like, the visits with the parents, like, I think that Lauren's parents were asking a whole different set of questions than, <laughs> than um, some of the other parents that we saw on the show um, around their daughters. It, it was, like, interesting. And I don't know. Like, every family dynamic yeah. was, is different. So I, do, I don't want to generalize, but, uh, like... Lauren's dad reminded me so much of my dad, like with guys when I would bring guys home in high school, of like trying to be intimidating, like not trying to be friends. Like it was interesting to compare and contrast like with Kelly, whose dad was just like so laid back, you know, didn't really like, oh, Kenny, you know, like we just want our daughter to be happy. I think the parents were more excited about them being together than the two of them. I know, like, Kelly, Kelly's parents really were riding hard for Kenny. And I just thought that was so interesting because, like, my dad was definitely, like, Mr. Speed. Like, he is definitely more of, like, why do you want to date my daughter? And, like, how do you plan to take care of her? And it's not like um, my daughter is my friend or I'm expecting to be friends with you kind of thing. And so I thought that was, like, an interesting... I definitely felt like it was a little bit... There was maybe a tiny bit more riding on how Lauren's family received Cameron than some of the other families. Um, and I think that also just goes to, I think minority cultures tend to be more family oriented. We're not as individualistic. Um, and so I think, I mean, I don't know about you, Faith, but I think it's very hard to like not do something that my parents would not approve of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just think it, because it's like, you know, this person's going to be around. They're going to be at all these family, you know, reunions and events and gatherings. And so, yeah, I think that can be challenging. And I will say something else. I really would love to see this show the next season cast more people that are not conventionally attractive. Because the show was called Love is Blind and nobody was ugly. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that, that how it was called Love is Blind. And they're like, you know, you can get anyone. But like, I was like. Everyone that they picked is very, like you were saying, like traditionally attractive or the kind of person that you would see in the, you know, in media or be listed as, you know, that kind of look. They all had the look. That's the best way to say it. They all had the mainstream look. Yeah, they definitely, like, everybody had, you know, same st type of body, like, very thin. Um, all the guys were, like, muscular. And so I just would love to see next season Netflix maybe try to mix it up with, like, more people that are not conventionally attractive. Um, okay, so I thought, yeah, but I agree. I think it, it yeah, for black women there, it's not a fairy tale and we do have to dismantle those narratives. And I think Lauren was a big part of that. Like, yes, sis, <laughs> way to go. Yes, yes, Lauren for the culture. We appreciate it. Um, another win. So um, my question to you, Catherine, is how does this relate to our previous episode on dating and singleness? How does this all tie in? Yeah, I mean, I think that it really does speak to the challenges of finding a date, period. I mean, I think more than one person when asked about, like, their dating life was like, oh, I wasn't really dating um, before. Um, I think also, too, like, we 
guys don't really ask girls out on dates anymore. So it's like kind of, you know, like, of course, I'll try this like premise because, you know, you just want to go um, out on a date. And then I think going back to our, you know, our other episode on singleness and dating, it's just the challenge sometimes when you don't fit the condition, the um, cultural ideals around what it is to be like a desirable woman whether that's like racial or ethnic wise or even just personality wise I think sometimes because I mean yeah I'll bring it back to like Giannina right like who I I mean really and truly I thought she was less crazy than Amber and you know like the way in which Damien was reacting to her I think just had a lot to do with like she's not this you know demure southern you know white woman 1950s ideal kind of stay at home yeah. i mean when when you know there was a scene between the two of them that he was like worried about not being able to provide for her and she was like i work i can provide for myself and he, he genuinely seemed a little like taken aback that her expectation like that she was not as upset about him potentially not having a job when they get back from the show um and so i just think some of those kinds of things um you know, this perception of, like, what's desirable in a woman and a wife, I think definitely you could see that in um, in Love is Blind as, as well. Yeah. What about you? I think that dating is hard anyways, whether you're on a TV show or just in your real life. And I think the show kind of highlighted some of the challenges that come when you, you know, are in something fast paced and you have to make a decision in it about a relationship and being in one. I think the one thing that I that I came away with from watching the show was how you could possibly want something so bad or think that you want a relationship or you want love so bad. But then the minute it's right in your face, you have to decide, is that really what I want? Or do I just like the idea of love? Do I really want love? Or do I want the idea of love? Because love is sacrificial and I think that a lot of people wanted the idea of love but didn't really want to make the sacrifices necessary to invite someone else into their life Jessica talked so much about wanting to have kids wanting to you know have that experience and yet for her like she still was not able to have children yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think sometimes even when you've been single for a long time, you don't realize how you can even make an idol of singleness. Because um, I thought that kind of with Lauren a little bit, like um, kind of where she struggled, it seemed like when she talked about like having to give up her space and like not wanting to give up her apartment. So Jessica was not able to... I, to me, fulfill what her dream was, right, which was to have kids and to get married. And I think some of that ties into how some people feel right now about commitment and about relationships and actually being able to settle in on a person. I think that I've seen that that's so hard for people these days to just say, hey, I like this person. I want to be committed to them and be um, in a meaningful relationship with them. And I've seen that be a challenge for a lot of millennials I would say and even some Gen Z and I'm not sure if it's just because of so much divorce that happened in a lot of people's lives and with their parents but I do think that that affects people being able to make a decision about who they want to be with and spend their life with yeah I agree I mean I think you can especially when you've been single I think because Jessica was like 34 when you've been single for a long time you can not realize 
um, that you can make an idol of singleness in the same way that people make an idol of marriage. Um, and I even saw this a little bit with Lauren, and luckily she was able to, like, get over the hump. But, you know, there were episodes where she talked a lot about, like, being not wanting to give up her space and how she was so used to being independent and, like, um, the idea of having to, like, live with someone else when she is so used to living alone was really going to be a challenge. And I think, you know to Faith's point about being saying on the one hand that you want love um, and you want to be in a marriage. I mean, yeah, love is sacrificial. And I think, you know, going back to something I said in the last episode, I think anytime people come together and devote their lives to one another, it is kind of a miracle because, you know, being self-sacrificial isn't our natural bent. And so I would just say for, yeah, for people that are single and like desire marriage, um, you have to check that. Because I think I do that sometimes, too, where I'm just like, oh, being single is great. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. Um, but then I think it is what you said. Like, if you want to be married and you want to have kids, then you have to deal with that. And Jessica didn't. And, you know, not that she'll never find love again, but I just felt so bad that she put Mark through all of that. Which she all did. the ups and the downs, kind of accepting him, not accepting him, loving him, all of it. And then being like, you know what? I still don't want to be with you. And I just... Huh? Feel- I just feel like that kind of thing, if you're kind of, which is why I said at the beginning, like counseling before you go into any sort of like working out your issues. Cause I really feel like that kind of jerking people around is not fair. Like she needed to work all of that out before she <laughs> tried to be in a serious yeah, she relationship. Come on the show. And that's why I'm saying like people have an idea of love. I think more people are in love with the idea of love than love itself because love is, isn't easy and it's sacrificial and it's messy and so it's not it's not this little you know patty cake fluff thing it's deep you know and it's work and it's work i thought yeah i agree okay so faith the big question is after watching the show do you think love is blind is that something that's even aspirational i think the premise of the show that love is deeper than what a person potentially looks like that that love is you know you fall in love with who that person is right Cameron fell in love with who Lauren was and he was crying telling her he loved her on day four like something crazy like that they just had such a like an amazing connection but he fell in love with who she was he hadn't even seen her yet and so I think the premise that love is deeper than the looks of a person which like we said they could have had more diversity in what that looks like but the fact that I would say love isn't just based on the superficial things. And so I think in that way, yeah, love can be blind in the sense that you can really love somebody and realize their um, appearance. Obviously, you want to be attracted to them, but the appearance of a person isn't what defines who a person is and what makes them great or what makes them wonderful for you. Um, I think the show boils it down to a really too simple of a concept in the sense that love is blind. But I do believe that there's, there is a depth to truly getting to know somebody for who they are and not what they look like. I think that's valid. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think what you said, it reminds me of something my mom always says, that everything that looks good is not good for you. And I definitely think that um, sometimes in dating, we can be so fixated on the outside and not as concerned about what's going on in the inside. And a lot of people are walking around and they're you know fool's gold which is not real gold it looks like real gold but it's not 
Um, yeah, I think for me, I think for Christians, the Bible definitely calls us something to something higher. I would say rather than kind of blind love, I think just what Faith said earlier, you know, the Bible calls us to like sacrificial love. And, um, you know, I'm going to read just a little bit of 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and it talks about love being patient and love being kind and love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Um, and I just think that, yeah, I think that I like the concept and to your point about like that love is more than how people look. But I also think that like love is more than I think going back to this idea that it's not like a fluff thing. It's not pie in the sky. It's not fairy tale. That it is work. Um, and that like kind of an um, and it is unconditional. And I think the idea that. Um, yeah, it's just more. And I just felt like, you know, keep going back to our favorite couple. Like, I really do believe that Cameron, <laughs> like, loved Lauren unconditionally. And it just felt like with some of the other couples, you know, like, your our love is, like, I like, you know, I like you a lot. Or I feel like I love you when you feel like you're in love with me. Well, like, that's not... I don't think that's biblical and I just think for my parents have been married 40 years and I definitely have had friends and say things like you know like you can love a person and not like them and every marriage has like ups and downs but it's like being in it and being committed um I think which is a premise I think that's missing for most dating shows because <laughs> it does you know, it's probably not as fun to, like, tune in and watch couples, like, work on their relationship as it is to watch them <laughs> yeah. fall in love at a beautiful resort in Cancun um, in Mexico. But I just think that, yeah, I think for us, like, to be checking sort of our conceptions of love always against what the Bible says. And then, yeah, like, that's more based in reality and the reality of what love and marriage is. Um, but, yeah, I think as a, like... Yeah, I, I, and you know, honestly, I think at the end, I was a little annoyed where, like, uh, when Cameron and Lauren got married and the pastor said, you guys have proved that love is blind. And I was like, I think that they proved the opposite. Like, I felt like Cameron really saw Lauren and knew mm -hmm. her in a way that people want to be seen and want to be known. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just, I, I'm not sure that I think the concept of love being blind is aspirational for me. Um, but I do think, yeah, I do agree with, so I don't know where that leaves me. Cause I do agree with you that it's more than how someone looks, but I also don't know if how it came across in the show is really something that I would find desirable. Yeah. I mean, and it's just a good marketing strategy on their part to say is love blind. So, I mean, even if it's, we know like they added drama and, you know, producers do what they do. So for it to be entertaining for people. And, I mean, I was truly entertained. I will say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was, guys. But I don't think the full premise of what they were trying to do came across fully. No. But, I mean, that's what happens when you get humans together. And it's a lot of work to make love work. Yeah. So, yeah. there's that. No, I agree. I definitely, guys, it is... Faith is not kidding when she says it is entertaining. Like, I watched pretty much the entire season on Saturday um, because I just had to see <laughs> what was happening. And, yeah, I mean, 
I yeah, I just found the whole thing I think much more entertaining than like traditional dating shows. I don't know. They totally suck me in. Uh, good job, Netflix. <laughs> Okay, y'all, it is time for Go Off Sis. So this is where we tell you something that is a mess and also something that we're loving right now. So, Catherine, I'm going to kick it off with you. Yes, so my bless, the thing that I like loved this week was Target um, has a commercial that I saw on Hulu. I don't watch regular TV, so I don't. hopefully you've had a chance to see this. Um, but it features the CEO of an organization or a company called Honeypot. Um, it is a black woman, and the commercial is all about how Target um, saw something in her invested in her and basically how the fact that she was able to get into Target stores allowed her to expand her business um, and that really she was doing the work um, of this company for her daughter and that hopefully people, other young black women would see her in this commercial and know that they too could start a business and be in Target one day. And I just love it. It was so sweet. Her like daughter was in the show and in the commercial and they showed them in Target and her seeing her product. Um, and I think Honey Pot and the little research I was able to do, it's um, all natural feminine products. Um, so if you have Honey Pot in your Target, please go check it out. The owner of the company seems like a lovely woman. And shout out to Target, uh, or as we like to say, uh, Target, for <laughs> supporting and investing in black women and black businesses. Um, and my mess is going to be a combination of three things that I love, country music, politics, and sports. So the highest selling country artist of all time, if you didn't know, is Garth Brooks. Um, he had a, con a concert in Detroit last week, I think, and he wore a Sanders 20 jersey. Guys, Sanders 20 has nothing to do with presidential candidate Bernie Sanders running for president in 2020. It is Barry Sanders, one of the best, if not the best, one running back in NFL running back of all time. Anyways, it was just really funny because apparently he's in Detroit. Barry Sanders also played for the Lions, is probably one of the most famous Lions players. He's at Lions football stadium. So he has on this jersey. Someone takes a picture of him and posts it on Instagram. And there were all these people in his comments saying, we love your music, um, but we can't support you if you're going to support Bernie and, like, you know, make America great again. It just was, like, totally nuts. And I just thought it was hysterical because I think even as we're in the election season guys we gotta have like see other things like not everything is about who <laughs> is running <laughs> for president and you know and I think you know your favorite artist country artist you know is allowed to have politics different than yours but also that's not what was happening okay garth brooks was just you know he's got friends in low places and he was just trying to honor barry sanders wow 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 it was nuts this is a volatile time i will say that <laughs> um okay so the thing that i love i'm gonna say the thing that i love i had an interaction with a friend this week and it's a really long story, but essentially they were feeling too old for um, being able to pursue their dream. 
And we had a super meaningful conversation about how it doesn't really matter how old you are. It's never too late to try again. It's never too late to pursue your dream. And then there was this thread um, on Twitter where people were kind of talking about like when they started something, you know, their dream. And it was kind of like, for people who are 30 and over, 40 and over, 50 and over, 60 and over. And I think it's just, like, really encouraging to see other people um, just be reminded of the fact that it's never too late, truly. It's not too late to pursue something. And, you know, it's always great when those moments happen. I love it because it just shows that there's some good in the world and some good people around that want to be an encouragement. And, um, And there was a time when... We didn't have so much internet and the world didn't feel so divided and divisive as it does now. And so I think in the moments when the internet is used and it's great and it's celebrated and it just feels nice. I would say um, the thing that is a mess, um, sometimes you feel like everything's a mess. There's just so much going on that's wrong. I'm just, <laughs> and I really couldn't even like pinpoint anything um, specific this time but there's a lot that's going on in this world that's pretty crazy and it, it's time for prayer okay so since faith doesn't have a mess i actually have two messes and this one is actually more serious guys i too am worried about the coronavirus but that is not an excuse to be racist to asian people so i just want to put that out there um in case we have not already stated that that um i'm seeing all these stories about kids being bullied in school um, for their Asian heritage. And I just think, you know, just wash your hands and don't touch your face. And <laughs> don't put your mouth on water fountains. Like, don't be racist towards Asian Americans or people of Asian descent because it is not their fault. And, you know. Yeah, don't be mean. Don't be racist, okay? And... Yeah, the other thing I would just say is, you know, like, like Catherine said, gave, like, some really good advice. Do your best to use caution. Wipe your seat off when you get on the airplane. I travel a lot, and it's already a good practice to have. I don't do it every single time, but I do do it sometimes. Wipe your seat off. Wipe your tray off. Sanitize, you know, your area. And cover your mouth. You know, simple little things. Cover your mouth. Cover your mouth. <laughs> and how many people don't do this? And I know it sounds really silly that I'm saying this, but as much as I travel, it, it just it doesn't happen. And I've either been in the vicinities of coughs or sneezes upon me, and it's really unfortunate. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Also, Faith, people apparently are out here not washing their hands after they go to the bathroom. It should not take a virus epidemic pandemic for you to be washing your hands when you go to the bathroom yeah, that's true too <laughs> that should have been happening already please wash your hands i mean so there's a lot that we could clearly go off about but we're just gonna leave you with that y'all wash your hands stay hydrated you know keep your skin popping and we'll catch you next time <laughs>